listening to the Citizens Podcast from Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama. The past two weeks in the Lord's Prayer, it's not a lot of verses, it's five verses, but the Lord's Prayer is both a model for how to pray and a motivation to pray. And the Lord's Prayer starts with three petitions, three things we are to ask God. And the reason we're asking God for these things is to align our heart with what matters most. And the petitions look like this. It's that God's name would be honored, that God would be honored first, that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, and that God's kingdom is to come. And we pray for God's name, his fame, his will, his kingdom over all things, because it's easy in prayer to just jump straight to us. It's easy in prayer to forget who we're talking to. Now, God is a friend. Jesus calls us friend. But when you pray, when you talk to God, when you open your heart and your mouth to God, you're talking to the Lord of the universe. All those cool pictures from NASA, they're coming back in the news. We're talking to the God who created that stuff. We're talking to the savior of all, the alpha, the omega, the final judge, the one who matters most. And so Jesus tells us, open your prayer, acknowledging who you're talking to, not in fear, but in love and a fearful awe of who God is. And the beautiful thing is grand and as big as God is. Jesus says, call him father. Call him our father. As one member shared with me, maybe call him our common father because he's the father of all who believe that he is a higher and greater than any father we've ever experienced. He's this one who builds the family and creates all things. And when we pray these first things, these things to align our heart, Jesus then invites us to three more things. He says, I want you to pray for these needs, these needs that all limited creaturely humans have. And they look like this. Jesus tells us to pray for our daily needs, which we'll hit today, our spiritual and relational needs, which comes next week, and our need for direction in a fallen world to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And today in verse 11, Jesus is teaching us to bring our whole day, our whole life, all of our needs to a God who actually cares about us. We're not being needy or, or, or somehow weak to, to come to God with our needs. We're being real with who we are and who God is. Look at verse 11 again with me. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And Jesus starts us with the verb of give. He says, if we start the prayer with our father, we can go ahead and just say, Lord, give us. Give us what we need. We're not being demanding or anything like that, but we're saying like a child to a parent asking for milk, give me milk. Like a patient to a doctor when you're sick saying, doctor, give me medicine. Teacher, give me instruction. Help me, friend, give me a listening ear because I actually need it. And God welcomes you. It honors him to ask God for the things only he can do. It honors him. It's like coming to the king for something you need that only the king can give. So you have the right as a child of God, if you believe in Jesus, to say, Lord, give me. Help me with my need. 
Jesus wants us to rely on God this way. And he explains a little more in Matthew 6. In the same kind of section of scripture, he tells it like this. In Matthew 6, 31, says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What will we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, people who don't believe in God, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Church, when you share your needs, give me my daily bread. You're not surprising God. He's not like, oh, you need things? Oh, I I forgot you're a human. It's the other way around. You're reminding yourself and embracing your reality. You are a human with needs. You're the creature. He's creator. God already knows what you need, but wants to talk about it. When you embrace your neediness, it's a path to intimacy. If you want to have a greater marriage, share your needs with your spouse. You want to have greater friendships, share your needs with them. Even at work, you share what you need from your boss or your coworkers. And watch how probably people will be drawn to you instead of pushed away. We're taught to be strong and self-sufficient. When the way of the Bible and the way of humans is, well, we're created for community. We are created to share our needs first with our heavenly father, but also with one another. The same passage continues in verse 33. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Another way of saying seek his name, his will, his kingdom, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. So Jesus is teaching us not just to pray, but also how to live as a person aligned to God, who then takes their needs to a God who can actually forgive up, who can actually deliver. Remember, we are God's children. Our goal isn't to grow up and not need God. That's not the goal. My kids, I hope that's the goal. I hope one day they will move out of my house. They will go to college. They will have jobs and we'll have a new different type of relationship. That's not how it is with us and God. He wants us to be his children forever, always needing him. And that our maturity will be marked by our increased dependence on God. We don't grow up in God and get less dependent on him. We grow up in God and get more dependent. We more readily take our work needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, our relational needs to God all the more readily. Remember in Luke 11, when it says, God longs to give us bread, not stones, a fish, not a snake. God's not trying to trick you. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to meet your needs. And this give is attached to an us. It says, give us This day, our daily bread. And this us continues this plural togetherness of the whole prayer. It's not a prayer in isolation from anyone else. It's our father. It's give us our daily bread. There is a sense that when you are a Christian, a very true sense that we must consider our brothers and sisters. When we take God as father by believing on Jesus Christ, we're also introduced to the fam. We're introduced to all of our brothers and sisters and to pray for our needs is to pray for our needs, that we are in this thing together. And in this broken world, we need each other. There is no one as an island. We are not going to make it alone. We will miss out on life. And to know Jesus is to be introduced 
to a family of very real people. And that's why the local church is an optional, but essential. The local church isn't an optional thing, but an essential thing as you read the New Testament. And most teaching on the importance of the local church can feel like a lot of you ought to do more or you should be more committed. And I think that's unfortunate because when I have experienced the local church and have been faithfully a part of it for a decade plus, my experience has taught me that without the local church, I would simply be missing out. My life would be worse, not better. That I'd be missing out on some of the very best, most meaningful moments of my whole life. That the best parts of my life are usually springing from taking my common needs to God and to other people, often in the context of a local church, and having God meet me right there. If I were not a part of the local church for the past 15 years, I would be very different and not for the better. I would be far worse. I would be far less holy, far less satisfied, far less happy. And so thank you for meaning so much to me, but I also invite you to bring your needs to God and one another. That give us, Lord, that our prayers would be rich with one another. See, our relationship with Jesus is personal. We must repent and believe in Jesus, but it is far from private. It's not a you and God alone. It's a you and us together. And I know I can't simply imagine my life without the church. I don't know how people get by without it. Life would just be in black and white instead of color without the church, without a people to care for and be cared for by. The highs wouldn't be so high. The lows would be even lower. And so I think as we learn to pray and get in touch with our needs, it also puts us in touch with one another, that we're all in the same lifeboat. And the heart of the verse gets to this idea of what are we asking God for? It's give us, and Jesus gives us this curiously worded phrase. It says, give us this day our daily bread. So Jesus tells us the word daily or today twice in a back-to-back way. And the emphasis is that God wants us to take our relationship with God, our relationship with life itself, one day at a time. This is confusing because there's two days if I have two fingers up. One day at a time. And maybe the other day, that's tomorrow. So take your prayers one day at a time. And we know that's how relationships work. If you have a close coworker and you don't say hi to them at all, it's weird. Every day at your work, you probably talk to them. If you happen to have a spouse, it would be weird that just some days you're like, hey, let's just skip talking. We're just going to be like ships in the night, just sailing around the house and going about our day, seeing, let's play the quiet game. Let's put the podcast in for just hours, 24 hours at a time. A close friendship, it's normal to text. It's normal to talk. Your kids, how weird would it be like, hey, T-Bone, that's my son, Tyler. Let's just not talk. Just kind of period. That would be weird. 
And so God is highlighting that this day, our daily bread, we are to be in a daily relationship with God, that we would realize our needs and then realize the God, the gigantic God of a quadrillion stars, he actually cares. He actually cares about like, the stuff of your day, your work, your commute, your waking up, you're getting dressed, the toothpaste. God actually cares. The God that we think is maybe preoccupied or too busy or too big for us. God is saying, yes, but he's our father and he actually cares that you're not bothering him by praying daily and bringing your daily needs to him. He wants it. And he proved it by Jesus who walked around every day with us. You don't see Jesus put out with people's needs. You see him looking over a crowded field and saying, look at them like a sheep without a shepherd. You see him weeping over Jerusalem. You see every hurting, needing person, if they come in their need and their pain and their sorrow, Jesus doesn't turn a single person away. He heals them. He helps them. He teaches them. Prideful people not in touch with their needs. He rebukes them, not to crush them, but to save them, to bring them back to see their need for God. I remember he cares about your physical hunger. He cares about all of your needs, not just physical hunger. He cares about your financial needs, your relational needs, your emotional needs, your shelter, everything. Jesus knows we can tend to live in the deep future, kind of skip past today. I call it the delusion of the infinite. That there's a way that we trick ourselves into believing we're going to live forever And then we can just skip over our needs each day because man, I got bigger fish to fry, bigger things to do. And even as we age and we change, we keep thinking we'll live forever and have endless days. I don't know if you're tempted to live that way, but I know I am. But the Bible teaches a very different way to live. It instructs us like Psalm 90, 12 tells us. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. You learning to live daily and be present to your needs that day will give you a heart of wisdom, will give you a way to live out your life before God. It can be easy to feel dependent in life when you feel like you have very little. I remember a time when me and Elena had 80 total dollars to our name and I felt so dependent. We were praying on our knees because the bills were bigger than $80 coming down the pike and we needed money and we needed to eat and the fridge was low and it was so easy to be dependent. But Jesus is welcoming you, whether you have $80 or you're kind of like minus $800 right now, or maybe you have $80,000. Jesus is inviting us to find our true security in him to say, bring your daily needs to me. Focus on me, whether you have a little or a lot. Don't be deceived by your lot. Don't be dismayed by your little. Come to me with both of these things. And another way the Bible encourages encourages us about living daily comes from Ephesians 5. Verse 15 says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And we see this idea of our daily living with God is tied to wisdom, living wisely, and the Lord's will. That without a careful dailiness to your walk, 
the days will just pass you by. They'll just roll by. A lot of us during the pandemic kind of experience this. It's like, whoa, everything slowed down. And then it kind of weirdly sped up without having like places to go and things to do exactly. Felt like the days kind of turned into a blur of things. And we're called to be a people who's wise. It gets a heart of wisdom by numbering our days. The wisest people I know don't live in a fantasy world, but instead see how their decisions today affect tomorrow. Our decisions today affect next week. Our decisions today affect next year. Our decisions today affect the next decade. Those are the wisest people I know. They know things don't happen on accident and that most things are cause and effect. Is there grace? Absolutely. But the normal way of life is you reap what you sow. And a heart of wisdom is to be able to count your days and say, I want to do this today because I see how it will impact tomorrow. And so Jesus is calling us to the work of today. That's the only day you can make decisions for, even though they'll impact much further down the line. And you may resist this because it's kind of admitting we're just not in that much control. To worry about daily bread kind of makes you feel small, like real small. And God isn't trying to belittle us. Instead, he wants us to be our actual size, not to crush us, but to help us. God isn't trying to smother you or cover you like hash browns at Waffle House. He's trying to help you. But he wants to help people who actually are in touch with their needs. That he can actually help and be glorified in helping. They live for a kingdom as big as God's, not building their own little fort. I often think we struggle with prayer because we're out of touch with our needs. If we were in touch with our needs, we would pray all the time to a God who listens and can help. I think we're out of touch with our needs physically, with our bodies. I think a lot of times we're out of touch relationally. We don't understand our serious need for friendship. I think we're out of touch emotionally and we either feel numb or the whirlwind not a lot in between of cultivating a heart before God. I think we're out of touch spiritually and we seek material things or other people to fill gaps that kind of were created only for God. And the most common reason we're out of need, out of touch with our needs in our culture, I would say is distraction. That we live scattered, distracted lives and it can look a lot of ways. Maybe it's intentionally overpacking the schedule. I remember I had a mentor once sit down and schedule some time to meet up again. And this is back before cell phones. So I had like a little, little planner. And I was like, ah, ah. It was just filled with stuff. And he pulled the, the planner from me and goes, hey man, who's all this for? I was like, what do you mean? I have responsibilities. I have, I have leadership positions. I have things to do. He goes, yeah, but like, do you really want to be someone who can't schedule coffee for like three weeks in your early twenties? And he just kind of passed it back. He goes, just shoot me a text when he can. He wasn't trying to be a jerk, but he was trying to wake me up that instead of going to God or living a reasonable way, I lived an overpacked, overstimulated, distracted life in the name of Jesus. 
Some of us overpack our schedule to get distracted. Some of us are hunched over an iPhone that our life is spent in the glow of a screen. Some of us take on too much at work on purpose. We wouldn't say that, but that's our reality. Some of us are distracted because we choose to live in chaotic, codependent relationships that feel like they need endless maintenance. A sign of you being in a codependent relationship is every time you leave it, you feel like the other person's not satisfied with you and you can't be happy unless they're happy. A lot of us get in those as a means of distraction, that paying attention to this one person or one thing is easier than doing life on one's own and being in touch with our needs. Some of us are addicted to entertainment. It's consuming hours and hours of streaming shows, podcasts, news. There's a bunch of different forms. I don't want to pick on any one thing, but there's a role for relaxing and entertainment in life, but it's not hours and hours and dozen hours of our week. And it's going to be hard to see your needs living a distracted life. And if we don't see our needs, then why would we even pray? And if we don't pray, our needs are probably not going to be met by God, but try to meet them some other way. And when we look at these serious needs of our life and we meet them with inappropriate things, that leads us to a disaster. It's not hard to see how, how, it's like, how did I get here? It's like, well, an unattentive life for a God who never moved his hands. God didn't pull away from us. He's not pulling away from us. In Christ, God has come to us but we must choose to bring our needs to him. And that will probably mean saying no to distraction and saying no to this delusion of our infiniteness. And Jesus is inviting you not to beat yourself up, but just to begin by praying for your needs, to jump right into a God who will answer. Look what it says in Matthew 6, 11, one more time. It says, give us this day our daily bread. And you probably know bread is a loaded word in the Bible. It comes up every other book of the Bible all the way through. And what Jesus is probably referring to here, among many things, is Exodus 16, where God feeds Israel with manna, this bread from heaven, out in the desert. He frees them from Egyptian slavery and then leads them out into a desert where there is no food. They are in a complete dependent relationship with God that 2 million people are walking through the desert on faith that God will give them water and food lest they perish. And that's a parable to us, a story for us to say, oh, that's what following Jesus is like, that we are going to follow God and he will provide for our needs. And our hope here isn't that God's miraculously going to provide bread like that. God does it usually through human history, through really ordinary means. God commonly gives, like this passage alludes to, our bread through our work. That's why it's our bread. We need to pay our bills. We need to work hard. God created work. Work is a good thing. Work is a hard thing in a fallen world. But God wants us to work hard and enjoy your bread from your work. That's kind of the common way God is providing for your needs. But we learn from Jesus in Matthew 4 that bread can be more than physical. That it's not just about physical needs. Matthew 4, Jesus is out in the desert. He's been led into the wilderness by the Spirit. He is hungry. Look what it says. Then Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. 
I'm hungry after like six hours. 40 days and 40 nights is a lot. And the tempter, another name for the devil, came and said to him, notice what he's challenging. What he's really asking Jesus, are you God's son? Or another way, is God your father, really? It's pretty much the same kind of question he asks Eve one day. Is he good? Can you trust him, really? Because Jesus, you're awfully hungry. If he's a good father, why are you so hungry? Can he not even provide dinner? Look what he says. If you are the son of God, challenging the core identity of Jesus. If you're the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus, your father is not good. You must make this happen for yourself. It's the same temptation given to us when we refuse to pray for our needs. Our father is not good, so I better provide for me. But Jesus answered, it is written, quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God that Jesus says there's something more important than our physical needs, that there is a spiritual need that you were meant to be fed by God, specifically by his word and his son, Jesus Christ, that the deepest need of you is more than physical, that it's spiritual. And that is where Jesus is saying that I have been fed by the word of God. And I can resist making food happen for me. And that devil, when Jesus replies, there's more than bread, that God's word feeds his hunger. Jesus gets more explicit that he is the word of God in John 6. Look what Jesus tells a crowd. Jesus tells them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you bread from heaven, kind of linking back to Exodus 16 story, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. Moses didn't make the bread in the desert happen. God did. And in fact, the true bread for the bread, God, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread always. That sounds like good bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He removes the mystery for us. What exactly do you mean by all this, Lord? He says, to know me, Whoever comes to me, Jesus, will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There are people who will hunger and thirst physically in this world. Even believers. But spiritually, Jesus is promising the deep thirst of your soul. The deep hunger of your life. The thing everyone's searching for. I will satisfy that. We can trust God for our physical needs too, but it's a lesser to the greater that he can fulfill our spiritual needs, proves that he can fulfill our physical needs for everything we need to follow his will. He will provide all we need to the extent of following his will in this world. But first we must dine at the table to take Christ for our true hunger. Not relationships, not materialism, not work, but to be satisfied in God 
first. And Jesus invites people to feast on him, invites us to feast on him. And we can do this because Jesus died and resurrected and brought all of us to him saying, through me, you can know the father. The most mature Christians I know have learned to feed on God's word daily. It is available to you to feast on Jesus and his word each day. That's what the Bible is for. That is what his word is for. And your maturity will eventually hinge on this idea of coming to the buffet over and over again and learning when you come to the buffet to bring your needs to it, to be in touch with all the needs you have and bring them to God and feast on God in word and prayer. Yes, Sunday should be like a feast. There should be worship and community and communion and preaching and all those things are deeply important, but I desire you to be, have a blast and want to invite your friends this Sunday. Yes. Do I want community groups to be a place of friendship and going deeper in the word and prayer? Yes. But I also want you over time to learn to feed yourself that you could take God up with your daily needs right to his word. That's why we do the citizens Bible reading plan. That's why so much from the stage to the groups, to all the things, the discipleship encourage you to learn God's word and learn to enjoy it for what it is. I believe God wants to fill you and bless you with bread all the days of his life through his word and through his church, that that's God's plan for you and me and everyone who follows Jesus. And what breaks my heart the most is when I meet people in Birmingham, I often meet spiritually starving people. I think we underestimate how hungry everyone really is. That whether they vaguely claim Jesus or don't claim him at all, they probably are part of no life-giving, consistent community. They definitely don't know how to read the Bible or care to read it. They're very likely not a part of a healthy church in a consistent way that teaches the Bible. And that's why we plant citizens. It's because people are hungry. In church, we have the bread of life. We have something actually to give them. It's not the greatness of our church or the greatness of our friends. It's the greatness of Jesus where people can be fed the bread of life in a variety of ways. We want to invite people to stop living hungry, unsatisfied lives, searching all the time for something to excite them or numb them or distract them and instead teach them the feast on Jesus someone who can actually satisfy them all the way down. And so church, I want to ask you, will you go to God in prayer and be full of daily bread? Would you be so in touch with your needs and reject your infiniteness, reject distractions and say, Lord, here are my needs to you. It could be a three minute prayer. It could be a 30 minute prayer. It could be a 30 second prayer to say, here's what I need, Father. And I want to trust you to give it to me. I pray that we grow in our thankfulness and dependence on the Lord, seeing we're actually a needy person. Because if we were so full of bread, we'd have something actually to give away. We don't want to be Christians that are personally starving, but telling everyone how great the bread is. How crazy would that be? Never trust a skinny baker sort of deal. We want to be people who are full of the bread. In Turkey, they're a bread people. They're part of the world where bread is a part of literally every meal. Many times as you start a meal, they'll pick up the bread and kiss it with their lips just to say how thankful they are to have something to eat. 
and every kind of corner, every other corner has a bakery. So it's kind of like a, a heavenly scenario or kind of a nightmare, depending where you're at on carbohydrates and gluten and all that. For me, it's a bit of both, a little bit of both. And the bakery kind of looks like this. Every morning, it's, it's kind of filled to the brim. But about 5 a.m., they're done cooking. And it's kind of every bread you could imagine from French breads all the way through whole wheat, white, all the different things. And the bakeries, most of them intentionally make too much. They make 10% or more than they think they can sell. And people often buy a loaf to take home and have for lunch or have for dinner with their family but they'll actually pay a bit extra for the loaf. And they'll say a phrase, asked ekmek. And that translates literally as bread on the hook. That I'm buying my bread, but I'm also paying for the extra bread I know you bake. So that at the end of the day, all the extra bread isn't thrown out, but they throw it and kind of now modernly big garbage bags and they hang it on a post like this. And people throughout the day get their fill of bread and then pay to have more bread for the whole community or whoever's hungry can just grab it. And you'd see the torn off little baggies on all the little fence posts all around the park of people day after day living like that. It's a beautiful custom. But I think it's also a vision for us. Would you take God up on fulfilling your daily needs so that you actually have bread to give someone else? We don't want to be a church of starving Christians looking at each other. We want to be a full Christians who have plenty to share with each other, our community, our workplace, our neighbors, that points them not to us, but to the God the true bread of life. You've been listening to the Citizens Church Podcast. Special thanks to Murphy DX, who recorded our theme music. If you'd like to learn more about Citizens Church in Birmingham, Alabama, you can visit us on our website at citizensbhm.com or on the usual suspects, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.